we're on a mission to help women get healthy for good. Join me each week for a new episode that'll help you sustain healthy habits and nourish your body so you can flourish in life. When it comes to nutrition, does it feel like you know what to do, you're just not doing it? Or maybe you find yourself stuck in this annoying all or nothing cycle. If it sounds like I'm reading your diary, well, that was my diary for a while too. And it's also the story of the thousands of women I've personally coached. That's why I created Flourish, the nutrition and body image support app made for women. If you recognize that diets don't work, but just not dieting isn't helping you feel your best either, download Flourish today. Your first live session with one of our credentialed nutrition and psychology experts is totally free, no credit card required. From there, you'll continue your journey with personalized accountability and support so that once you graduate from Flourish, you'll never need another nutrition program again. So head to the show notes and download Flourish for iOS or Android today. You're listening to the Nutritional Freedom Podcast. I'm your host, Claire Siegel, registered dietitian, founder of Nutritional Freedom, and total stationary nerd who's sharing episodes each week to help you ditch diets and get healthy for good. We'll dive into what really works when it comes to creating sustainable nutrition and health habits, ways to improve your body image, and how all of this helps you live a life that's in alignment with your values. Because that's what really matters, right? Let's dive in. Today's episode is brought to you by our free mini course, The Three Keys to Never Diet Again. Tell me this, have you ever finished up a podcast episode thinking, heck yes, I just learned so much, that makes so much sense, it's all clicking, I'm going to do all the things I just learned. And then you turn your car off, walk into the grocery store and forget that the podcast episode ever even happened? Yeah, same. (laughs) Here's the thing. I really don't want you to do that with what you're learning here on the Nutritional Freedom Podcast. This information is so incredibly important and can literally change your life. So I created a free mini course, three video lessons and a workbook to help you turn inspiration into action. You can get started today with the three keys to never diet again through the link in the show notes below. All right. Welcome back to the Nutritional Freedom Podcast. I'm here with Dr. Emily Kybird. I am so excited to have her on as a guest. She is such a wealth of knowledge, specifically around Hashimoto's and strength training and and all things chiropractic as well. She's a, a chiropractor. So Emily, why don't you just start us off, our Nutritional Freedom listeners, with a, a bit of an introduction, who you are, what you do in the world, and, and what you're passionate about. Yeah. So... Uh, I'm a chiropractor by training. I'm kind of the chiropractor that doesn't adjust that much. And I've been a chiropractor for 14 years in New York City, have a clinic, urban wellness clinic. And through chiropractic and learning when not to adjust and learning when someone needs strength, um, kind of stumbled upon this population of women struggling with autoimmune conditions. And really started to tailor in, okay, what do these women need? Uh, It's not adjusting. It's not massage. It's not stretching. It's strength training and just putting more meat on the bones to help stabilize their joints. And just in conjunction with working with functional medicine doctors, because that's not my forte, even though I'm fascinated by it. Um, 
really, I was kind of cleaning up the injury piece, the strength piece, and they were doing all the rest. So through working with functional medicine doctors, really honed in on this population of women with Hashimoto's um, who needed to learn how to work out without burning out. Uh, I have two kids. I have my four-year-old Elvis and my one-year-old Brooklyn. And after I had Elvis, I myself got diagnosed with Hashimoto's. And you know, all the things, you know, like hashtag all the things of new mom life <laughs> that people tell you like, yeah, you're tired. Is your baby sleeping? Of course you're exhausted. Yeah, that baby weight is hard to lose. I was like, okay, I guess it's my new norm. Mm-hmm. And 18 months later, postpartum, I'm like, this can, dude, this cannot be the new norm. This is like the struggle bus. So I started to kind of seek out my own practitioners, um, GP, endocrinologist, multiple functional medicine practitioners till I met now one of my best friends, Dr. Gabrielle Lyon. And, you know, she just did, she took so many tubes of blood work. I was like, oh my goodness. I don't know if I'm going to be able to walk out of here. There's like 15 tubes of blood on the table. Yeah. Um, and she's like, you have an autoimmune condition. So let's step by step start to clean it up. And, you know, I'm so grateful. Like I, you know, I talk about how like she saved my life. Um, I feel like I would have probably found some help, some path that fit eventually. But the time that it was diagnosed and caught, I feel like was a real lifesaver because it was early in the in the process. So yeah. Totally. I think that is just such a shiny example of how valuable it is to work with, whether it's a, a doctor, a coach, some practitioner of some sort. When you reach that point where you're like, okay, what I'm going through, it may be the norm, it may be common, but it's not serving me. It's not what I want my life experience to be like. Yeah, you could have, you know, especially with your background, you probably could have done lots of research and read lots of books and lots of studies and all the things, but you know, working directly with a practitioner helps you, you know, ideally skip over a lot of <laughs> the pain and pitfalls along the way. And, and it sounds like that probably served you really well, especially given the fact that you were experiencing an autoimmune flare up and also going through new new motherhood. Yeah. And I think, you know, for people looking for practitioners or working with, you know, anyone in the health, wellness, nutrition training world, you have to be ready. Like I was ready. I was like, mm-hmm. tell me what to do. I will do it. I will execute on it. You know, some of my symptoms, and these are not necessarily Hashimoto symptoms, but like every time I ate, my tongue hurt. Or every mm. time I ate, the eczema on my hand would flare up. And so there was a very clear direct correlation to um, environmental load that I was experiencing, food sensitivities, and and then, you know, the typical symptoms of Hashimoto's of the weight gain, the extreme fatigue. And I'm not just like, oh, I'm a little tired. I need an afternoon nap. It was like, I cannot keep my eyes open. And my husband kind of associated me with like sleeping on the couch, like napping on the couch and just like crushing fatigue and, um, you know, depression, constipation. Those are some other symptoms. Feeling cold all the time. I used to walk around 24 seven with a scarf around my neck. And so- I think, you know, for a lot of people who are kind of on that path and journey of healing, some people aren't ready to kind of pull the trigger and do, okay, whatever it takes. Mm-hmm. And I think for me, I was at that point, I was ready. Um, yeah. Yeah. Could you share for our listeners who maybe don't know, what 
is Hashimoto's. Yeah. So it's an autoimmune thyroid condition where your body is literally attacking your own thyroid gland and your thyroid gland is on the front of your neck. And one of the components is having an underactive or kind of sluggish functioning thyroid. Mm -hmm. And the other component of it is having a presence of thyroid antibodies, which is that blood work that shows that your body's attacking your own thyroid gland. And thyroid hormones are necessary for every metabolic process in the body. So every single cell has um, thyroid receptors. And if you're thyroid gland isn't working properly or the entire kind of axis that the thyroid gland is on, there can be underactivity. And so all mm-hmm. those symptoms, you know, of like the fatigue, the two biggest things I hear from women are, I want to lose weight and I want to get rid of my fatigue. Yeah. And so those are the two biggest symptoms that I hear work- working with women. Mm-hmm. And I think it's like 20 million women in the States have been diagnosed with Hashimoto's. Wow. And Of the people diagnosed with like hypothyroidism, Mm -hmm. 90% of the people have Hashimoto's. So there's this autoimmune component. Right. Which is why it's so nice to work with a practitioner because, you know, if you think of your body as like a cup and you're you're kind of like overfloweth with, you know, for me it was heavy metal toxicity, parasites from, you know, traveling to third world countries because I like to travel. And um, and we have a house in Bali, so it was lots of travel to build that house. And you know, water can only be so filtered. Um, sure. Parasites, heavy metals, mold exposure um, from water damage in our apartments—all those things were putting load on the body until it was just yeah. kind of that tipping point. Right, and and some people can handle you know some of that that toxin exposure that that load, but for those of us, and I I say this as someone who also has an autoimmune disease, we tend to be more sensitive to to things like that, and you know you may not feel it until yeah you reach that point where your cup overfloweth and you end up in in a flare of some sort. Yeah, I think there's a genetic component. Mm-hmm. Some of us just get sicker quicker, unfortunately, and. I think, you know, of the factors that are within our control, right? So like nutrition, how we're feeding our body, how we're exercising. Um, I like to get those di- in sleeping, of course. I like to get those yeah. dialed in. Yeah. Um, so much can change with just that. Totally. And then start to dig deeper if we're not starting to feel better. Totally. Yeah. There's a lot of really, you know, amazing foundational stuff when it comes to autoimmune disease. And and the cool thing that I find with our clients who who have autoimmune disease that come to us is we got to like just work on like the basics, right? The basics of good nutrition, the basics of exercise, the basics of sleep and stress management. And so much gets, you know, so much is improved, you know, the baseline really like elevates very quickly. And then we can get into to more um, kind of like the optimization pieces. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious because you touched on, you know, you were seeing this population in your office and you know, it was, it was women with autoimmune disease and what they needed was not the massage, was not the chiropractic. And like, by the way, I've gotten all of that stuff done. I've gotten adjusted. I love massages. I'm very sad that I haven't had a massage in months due to COVID. What is it about women with Hashimoto's or autoimmune disease that makes them need, I guess, that that strength training? Like, what is that? Yeah. So again, going back to the idea that like the thyroid, thyroid hormones are involved with every single metabolic process, including muscle protein synthesis. And if your listeners are like, what's muscle protein synthesis? It's putting meat on our bones. It's growing our muscle, not in a way of 
bulkiness, but in mm-hmm. a way of, you know, our muscle is our metabolic engine. It's yeah. really important to stimulate. Our muscle is the largest endocrine organ in the body. Our muscle, especially during these times of like pandemic, the one factor that helps protect us from, you know, you know, if we're totally immobilized is the amount of muscle we have in our body. So going back to the thyroid, when we have an underactive thyroid, like we do in Hashimoto's, we have a harder time maintaining our muscle mass and all those benefits of keeping the muscle on the body um, are diminished because it's harder to maintain our muscle on the bones. So it's so important for women to be strength training, maintaining mm-hmm. their muscle mass. So like for someone without a, without an autoimmune condition, they could strength train three times a week and probably maintain their baseline. Mm-hmm. Of muscle. They're not gaining muscle. They're not losing muscle. For women with an autoimmune condition, because of the underactive thyroid component in Hashimoto's, it's it's like we're, we're always kind of playing catch up to keep the meat mm-hmm. on the bones, basically. So- um, so I really focus on the strength training piece because it's the one thing that can stimulate the muscle that in, in like optimal protein. Those are the two things. And I really wish it was walking, yoga, <laughs> Pilates, bar, low impact exercise. But unfortunately, the research out there shows that those are not what creates muscle hypertrophy. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. What do you find that women are commonly, women with Hashimoto's, what are they commonly told about exercise that you maybe do or don't agree with? Yeah. So a lot of women are told, and this is by endocrinologists and functional medicine doctors, to not overdo it, mm-hmm. to not burn yourself out, that you don't want to tip yourself into a flare-up. Mm-hmm. So do some yoga, do some gentle stretching, some Pilates, some low-impact exercise, which is a little bit of a nebulous term. Like, what does that really mean? Yeah. Usually it means like 20 minutes of walking or swimming. And those are great for the soul, and they're great for putting yourself in that parasympathetic yeah. place of like, everything's okay, rest, digest, calm, but it doesn't stimulate the muscle. Mm-hmm. And in clinical practice, I have found this element of hypermobility with women with autoimmune conditions where their tissue is a little lax, their joints are a little unstable. And so if you give that woman yoga or stretching, they're just going to be exacerbating that. And Mm -hmm. then their joints will hurt more, their muscles will ache. Those are already symptoms of Hashimoto's, but now you're kind of giving someone an exercise prescription that is exacerbating it Mm -hmm. versus strength training. And I think a lot of doctors don't tell their patients to go strength train a because like how many times have you seen a doctor and you're like yeah you look like you strength train <laughs> I, I feel it's very rare to, to find someone who like knows form and can like really throw weight around sure and i think another reason it's not recommended is there's a little bit of a learning curve compared to like you know kind of like folding over your legs and stretching yeah. your things so yeah. yeah. And and to be fair, like strength training is not doctors' jobs, right? <laughs> no. yeah. You know, you, you have to go to the right person to get the right guidance on the right thing, right? Your your endocrinologist may be, you know, just the right person to help you with your thyroid medication and adjusting, you know, values and getting labs and, and all that. Um, but yeah, maybe not the person to teach you like how to get under the squat rack, <laughs> for for example. Totally. But don't you wish your endocrinologist could make an educated recommendation? 
Yeah. Like, hey, you don't seem like you're in like kind of that tipping point of, you know, tipping into a flare up. I think now is a good time for you to start strength training. I'm going to refer you the, to this trainer to teach you form mm-hmm. or um, versus I feel like it's so undereducated that it's not even recommended. Totally. And I think what you brought up about the like low impact versus high impact thing is also really interesting because it's not binary, right? Exercise is not either on one end of the spectrum or the other. It is just that it's a spectrum. And, you know, I think about my own personal exercise history and I used to be, as I I shared with you on our call earlier this week, like I was like the cardio bunny, like the doing, you know, trying to force myself to run a marathon, which did not work, um, soul cycle all the time, um, or other spin classes. And for me, actually moving into strength training was actually a lower impact version of exercise because, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, like I would imagine that there's higher impact ways of strength training and then also lower impact ways of strength training as well. Is that the case? Yeah, 100%. I feel like we lived like parallel cardio lives. <laughs> <laughs> I think many of us did. <laughs> I too have like done like double soul cycle classes where now I'm like, that's it, insane. Why did I ever do that? You couldn't pay me to do it. I know. <laughs> so the research shows to build muscle, you have to hit this point of fatigue. Mm-hmm. And like this perceived exertion, like you're like on the last rep and you're like, oh my God, I can't pull that rep. Yep. And there's different ways to hit that. So you could do not a lot of reps, so low reps and really heavy weight and get to that perceived exertion faster. Mm-hmm. Or you could do high reps with a low weight, like 50, however many, you know, like five pounds dumbbell curls, get to exertion. And muscle hypertrophy is going to happen the same. For me, I find that the people who are doing more reps tend to fall into this like overuse injury. Yeah. So part of having an underactive thyroid is we have slower tendon turnover. Our tendons, all the tissue in our body is consistently, constantly regenerating, replenishing. When our thyroid is underactive, it's slower. So yeah. when you're doing like high rep stuff, whether it's like a donkey kick with an ankle weight, which is like <laughs> so hot right now on <laughs> in the workout world, I just find that there's more chance for overuse injury versus if you can give someone really good form, have lower reps, heavier weight, take a long rest break, uh-huh. and it's functional. So if they're going to yes. pick up their grandkids or kids- a suitcase. suitcase into the overhead, you're like giving them skills for life versus, you know, 50 reps of something. So totally, totally. I know I, I kind of fell into strength training. I think I just found people on like YouTube and Instagram and, and truly it was like totally diet motivated. I was like, I want to look like the girl with six pack abs. And it was, it was not great, but getting into strength training for me was like a hugely positive, like net positive experience of really, I think falling into a, um, an exercise modality that I just really loved. I enjoyed, I could put in my headphones and like tune out and listen to music. I could also, one of the things that I love about it, especially compared to this, the, the spin classes of the world and, and even compared to like that high rep, low weight, you know, version of strength training is when you're lifting heavy you can really see like gains, gains with a Z, you know, over time, not necessarily, you know, not maybe in your body, like maybe in a physical, you know, change, but like, it's really cool to go from squatting, you know, a hundred pounds, you know, one month to then, you know, 130 the, the next month or whatever, you know, that progress looks like. But that is, 
really a, a beautiful and empowering thing. And I think I would imagine that that is even more so the case when you're coming from a place of feeling like I'm, I'm super fatigued. I'm, you know, prone to burnout. My, my doctor's telling me, you know, all I can do is walk like to, to make that really gradual progression feels so good. Yeah, 1000%. I think kind of the hidden benefit is that mental strength that comes from physical strength. Yeah. Um, that mental resiliency. One of the symptoms of Hashimoto's is feeling really anxious. And I can understand from like a hormonal perspective how that is. I can also understand from a physical perspective, if you think about like every time you stand and your knees kind of travel back behind your ankles and you have this pelvis that kind of just dumps forward and anterior tilt, and you have this sway in your back, how you could feel really ungrounded. Mm. Like a lot of the women I meet are just like their energy is like so elevated from like their chest up and they feel really anxious. And you give them something weighted and you get their joints to stabilize, and it's almost like their energy starts to get grounded. Mm. Versus kind of like feeling like really airy and chaotic and out of control. And I think when then a lot of women first get diagnosed, they're overwhelmed, they're anxious, they don't know where to start. There's so much information out there. And I think one of the beautiful things about strength training, not only is creating that mental strength, but giving a woman the power to feel like they have control of their body, yeah. not out of control for them to feel grounded. And you know, I feel like when I was younger, it was like, I want to be toned and skinny and whatever. And <laughs> now I just, I want to not be afraid. You know, I think some of some of us live in fear. And I think this is usually the women who don't strength train. Like, oh, if I pick this up, am I going to hurt myself? If I get on the ground, am I going to hurt my knees getting off the ground? And so living from this place of feeling in control and not having to worry about injuring yourself is so empowering. Yeah. Over like, I have a six pack abs, you know? I think what a lot of women don't know is to like have a six pack. A, you have to have amazing genetics. <laughs> B, if it, you know, weight loss, caloric deficit is involved. And a lot of women who live there don't live there 24 seven. They cycle in and out. Mm -hmm. You know, like people don't live at 9% body weight because they are constantly depressed and constantly talking about food. And when we lose weight, we lose our muscle. So if the goal is to maintain our muscle, weight loss needs to kind of get like a new story behind it. Totally. You know? Totally. I, I I love strength training. I, I really encourage all of our, maybe not all of our clients, I encourage many of our clients, autoimmune disease or not, to give it a try. You know, especially, you know, a lot of the work that we do in nutritional freedom is around creating confidence and Confidence is created through action. And this kind of ties back to what you were saying before about that lack of trust in one's body, like not knowing if I'm going to be able to get up off the floor, not knowing how much pain I'm going to be experiencing. It's like this disconnect between your brain and your body and, you know, getting into a new activity, something like strength training and building that confidence through action also helps you build this really beautiful bridge of trust between your mind and your body. And, and I think that, you know, again, Hashimoto's or not is something that I think all of us as, as women could really benefit from. I feel like every person walking on the planet or moving on the planet should be doing strength. To mm -hmm. me, it's like, it's a non-negotiable. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm like 100% with you on that. Yeah. It's so functional. And I think that's like, I mean, that's, that's great. I remember one, one client coming into nutritional freedom. She said something, she was like, 
one of the things she really wanted to feel at the end of the program was strong. And she goes, I want to be able to put a suitcase into the overhead compartment without having to ask my husband to help me. And I just, I mean, amen. I love that. (laughs) I love that. I love that so much. What do you find some of the biggest barriers are to strength training and how do you help the women that you work with overcome some of those barriers? Yeah. If you think about when did we learn to strength train? When were we taught form? It wasn't in middle school, high school, unless we like kind of went into a weight room. The weight room was like a little um, intimidating. I just picture, you know, the whole football team in there. So we never were really taught how to strength train, how to do the basics, how to take a breath into our belly, how to brace, mm-hmm. how to not overarch our back. Um and to really pull the weight from the core versus the low back. So I think, you know, one of the biggest things is like, I don't know what I'm doing. Where do I start? I feel intimidated. I have a lot of women who look at a kettlebell and they say, oh, that's going to injure me. And it's never the tool. It's always user error. Mm -hmm. And I just remind them that the people who look like experts or who are experts or who've been lifting for decades, they do the basics consistently. Mm -hmm. That's it. Just do the basics consistently. There's nothing fancy or sexy. They don't do this like special move that makes them better than everyone else. Um, so learning the basics is the best place to start to kind of get over that hump of feeling intimidated, of not knowing where to start. You know, for me, I teach everyone how to breathe and how to brace, which is very foreign, especially for women, especially for women. You know, we've kind of been taught culturally to suck our belly in, pull our belly towards our spine, skinny up our waistline. And when you lift, you're, you're doing the exact opposite. So it's kind of a tricky habit to break. Mm-hmm. But once you break it, you know, women are like, wow, I feel like so strong and stable and, you know, like bulletproof, basically. That's awesome. What are the basics? So I know you mentioned breathing, but I would imagine there's like some kind of basic strength movements that, you know, women can, can try getting into the gym or <laughs> at home. Yeah. I mean, I call, I always start with, uh, it's called the essential seven is what we call it. So it's some sort of hinge move, like a deadlift, some sort of push move, um, a squat. And especially for women with knee pain and Hashimoto's, um, squatting's tricky, especially with that mm. patellar tendon. So maybe it's just like you squat to a chair. It doesn't have to be, you know, your tush below 90, a row, some sort of carry, like you're carrying your groceries, a lunge, which again is one of those other moves that can kind of be tricky and you have to get the form right uh-huh. so that you don't irritate the knees. And then some sort of kind of anti-rotation, which is a little bit more of an advanced move would be kind of like a single arm kettlebell swing, but we work up to that. And all of those moves are functional. They replicate you know, things that you do in your day. And if you master those moves, any sort of variation on it, it's just kind of like icing on the cake. Hmm. Hmm. And then, what are ways that I guess women can improve? You know, I think that's one of the coolest things about strength training is you do get to see like those gradual improvements. So, how do you know that? I guess you're not only getting good at strength training, but you're like getting better over time. Yeah, I think if you're able to pick up a heavier weight, mm-hmm. and I'm not. It could even just be like five pound increase, ten pound increase. If you're able to add reps. I keep everything low reps. Like I start, maybe it's like three, four, five, all ladder reps. There's some research out there that, you know, kind of the sweet spot is eight to 12 reps. And by like the 10th, 11th, 12th rep for muscle hypertrophy, you're failing gracefully. Like you're really having to grind out the move. So Uh 
you know, if you're doing deadlifts and by the eighth rep, you could do 10 more, you need to pick up a heavier weight. I think there was just a research article coming out that like when women were given the option to choose what weight, they always chose a weight that was a little too light for them. Uh huh. Um, so yeah, I think if you're getting to those last couple of reps and you're kind of like, okay, I have to grind it out. You're still keeping good form. Um, that's, that's a good place to be. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's such an interesting thing, that article that you mentioned about women choosing lighter weights. And I think that, I mean, it could come from total, like just lack of education. We're not really exposed to it as, as women, we're not exposed to weight training. And then also the, I mean, such a common perception that, you know, weight training will make us as women bulky as, I mean, I always just joke, like, it's not like Arnold Schwarzenegger just woke up one day and looked the way he looks. And also he's, a dude and has like a hormonal propensity, a biological propensity to be that way. And I don't, I don't know what else he gets into, <laughs> but it's not the same situation for women. Right. Right. I get that email actually a lot. Like, am I going to get bulky? You know, I have a tendency to get too buff. And so the two things I say is like, we don't have the hormonal panel to be able to do that in terms yeah. of testosterone. And if we feel like we're looking quote unquote bulky, I would ask the woman to look at what she's eating. Mm. You know, is she working out more? So now she's taking in more food. So like, yeah, there's muscle under, you know, whatever body fat composition that we have, but to really Mm -hmm. be honest with what we're taking in. Yeah. 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 And, and, getting stronger requires eating more food. I know for, I I shared this with you when I was in like my post uh, cardio bunny getting into strength training, I was eating, I was not eating enough. And I just kept lifting the same weight for like a year. (laughs) And I didn't really know like, oh, you're actually supposed to be kind of like growing through this and feeding your body in a way to actually uh, give yourself the nutrition to to gain that that muscle mass. So I, I had it all wrong, and it was very steeped in just the you know diet culture and all these cultural messages about what a woman's body should do and look like. Yeah, I mean, even in bodybuilding competitions, and granted, our listeners are not going for bodybuilding competitions, but like if you see that physique, there was a bulking phase where there was just massive calorie intake and yeah. a lot of lifting and training, really heavy to fatigue. And then to show those muscles off, there was a cutting phase where there was caloric deprivation and deficit to lose the fat on, you know, and they probably lose a little bit of muscle mass, Mm -hmm. but there was, there was a, there was a cycling in and out. And I think culturally, when we see these images online of six packs, it's just, um, it's not sustainable to be doing it 365 days a year. Totally. Totally. And yeah, it's so easy to see those images and think, oh, well, if they can do that, I should do that. And to not understand like what goes into it and to also not even have like a critical uh, moment of introspection of like, okay, maybe you can, but like, do you really want to, you know, like, do you really want to put in the effort required to look that way? I know I like sure as hell don't, (laughs) but I do want to be strong and experience all the health benefits that come from lifting weights. Yes. And if the article said, oh, I got this way chasing my kids, my new born kids, it's probably not the truth. <laughs> not even. Oh my gosh. We need to, yes. Critical thinking. It's another thing. Strength training and critical thinking, something we could um, use a little bit more, I think, training on in school, a little more education. Okay. So you're here and you are a chiropractor and 
I just want to take a little bit of advantage of having you here on the line. <laughs> Love it. For for our our listeners who maybe they're already strength training, maybe they're not, maybe they have Hashimoto's, maybe they don't. All of us, most of us, I should say, are hunched over computers. We're we're at home, we're immobile, or maybe we're at an office. Whatever. I would probably say a lot of us are probably living like a chiropractor's nightmare. <laughs> So for those of us who are hunched over desks, hunched over laptops all the time, what would you say is like your number one piece of advice that you would have for us? So I would have everyone, and this is a specific to laptops, but any screen in general to elevate your screen so that if you were sitting up straight and your eyes were looking, your eyes should literally on the horizon hit the top third of your screen. And that top third is kind of like where we, you know, we're looking at emails, we're doing spreadsheets, documents. Um, So good posture, eyes on the horizon, your eyes should hit the top third. So if we're looking down at our laptop, we're going to, it's going to just be pulling everything down and forward. So I would, if you had a laptop, either put it on a laptop stand, one of those portable Mm -hmm. stands, you could put books, that's like the cheap and easy (laughs) version. Um, and obviously, you don't want to be like typing up on the book. So maybe you get a wireless keyboard. Yeah. If it's a normal screen, I know I've seen your screens. They're gorgeous. Um, maybe you just elevate them up on books or risers. And so that you don't have to like work on pulling your shoulders back because you can't do that more than five minutes. It's exhausting. Yeah. But you can just like eyes on the horizon, top third of your screen. I have my patients take frequent breaks. So like... If the con- if it's a concentrated, you know, really intense dose of work, sit down. Maybe it's 20, 30 minutes. If it's a conference call, you don't have to sit down. You can stand up. Yeah. And if they're standing, I'll have them do a heavy hold with some kettlebells and just pack oh. down and do for 10 breaths. And it's just such a great reset. It's better than any stretch. I know everyone's like, what's the stretch? It's better than any stretch. Just get some kettlebells, whatever grocery bags of flour, whatever it is, and just pack your shoulders down and just take 10 breaths standing and you'll feel like your chest can lift up. I actually just wrote an article for Vogue that came out. So all those tips are in there too. Oh my gosh. We'll include a link to that down below. That is, that is epic. Y'all we've got a a Vogue feature here. That's a first on the nutritional freedom podcast. (laughs) Actually, one more question popped into my mind. This is something that um, our our clients actually ask me all the time, and I'm curious how your answer may vary for someone with Hashimoto's versus someone who doesn't have Hashimoto's. Mm-hmm. What about, I guess, recovery? Like, what are maybe some signs and symptoms of someone who either needs a recovery day or maybe needs you know longer than a recovery day? Like, what are some signs that maybe you're getting a little too you know maybe a little a little burnt out with exercise? Yeah, I think if you're starting to have overuse injuries show up, especially in the joints, like the shoulder joints or the hips or the knees, that might be a sign to recover. I like to personally, especially with my strength training, like three, four days a week. So there's a recovery day every Mm. other day. I think if you are so fatigued, you feel like you need the afternoon nap, something's probably off. Or if you're feeling as though you need a coffee, sugar, pick me up in the afternoon. You know, there's something probably off, like yeah. something to get dialed back. And I like to use my recovery days as active recovery. So maybe it's take a walk. I'll do a little movement flow on the floor. It's not just like do nothing. Uh, yeah. I'll have one day a week of doing that. 
But I think just really measuring your energy levels, are you crashing at night and monitoring just any overuse injuries? Mm-hmm. That's yeah, that's that's great advice. It's definitely something we teach our clients a lot about is just learning to like look inward to your body for those signs. Like you can have those really amazing frameworks like three to four days a week and you're taking a rest day in between and this, that, and the other, but like always filtering that through what your your actual like lived experience is. You may have days that, you know, maybe you thought was gonna be a rest day, but you feel great. So you work out or vice versa. And really trusting yourself within that space you know, to, to do what's best for you. And I think keep it honest with yourself. So yeah. I know people, um, or patients and clients who've been like, Oh, I've been, you know, re- on my recovery, you know, for two and a half weeks to the point of inactivity. And when we are inactive, especially kind of during these times, maybe more sedentary, we mm-hmm. can feel tired. Does that mean we need recovery? No, it probably means maybe we need a little more activity. So I think, yeah. Yeah, just keeping it honest and writing things down and tracking and yeah, just going back to that place of intuition. Totally, totally. I was actually speaking about that with a client the other day and she was asking me like, how do I tell the difference? And I said, why don't you just say, why don't you just try exercising for five minutes? Like just put it out there. I'm going to do something for five minutes. And if at the end of five minutes, I'm still exhausted, fatigued. Okay. Yeah. Take your rest day. But if at the end of five minutes you feel awesome, keep going. Chances are it was actually your fatigue was due to inactivity, not due to overactivity. Yes. 1000%. (laughs) And I think it's hard to call people out on that and have people be honest with themselves sometimes about it. Myself included. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, yes, very much uh, personal struggles as as well, especially especially right now. Amazing. Well, Dr. Emily, where can people find you? What have you got going on? Tell tell the people and we'll have everything linked down below. Yeah. So you can find me on all social channels, dremilykyber.com. I'm probably most active on Instagram. And I have a course called Thyroid Strong. It's six weeks of strength training for those women with Hashimoto's and other autoimmune conditions, but mainly Hashimoto's. And I also have a podcast called Muscle Medicine that you've been on. So. I have. Yes. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here. Y'all go check Dr. Emily out and I will see you next week.